Hi. Welcome to the Love Show. Yeah, it's good to have you. It's good to have you. So, um, tell me a little about who you are. Mitch Freedom, who is that? Uh, technically, uh, Mitch Freedom. Okay. Born August 1st, 1979, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, suburban upbringing. Yeah. Uh, Midwest family, um, just like art school kid, not necessarily like fine art, but rather music. Okay. So are you from Phoenix? I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Sorry. <laughs> Did you just say that? You know what it is? My mind wandered. I want to check one thing before we start. I just want to make sure. Okay, we're good, man. We're solid. I've done this a couple of times, and so it's, yeah. uh, I know where I've messed up before, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want to mess up with you. Right. Mitch, how did we meet, man? Um, we met. Hey, you better tell the right story, because um, uh, I love this story. We met through a friend of ours, uh, I believe Shane Kennedy. Okay. And, well, he initially told me about you, and I think he introduced me to you as well okay um and he just said we were talking about singers yes to like front my project like my music project and uh he's like i met this guy uh kelvin he's a fantastic has a fantastic voice and uh, he's a really great personality like you should run off him and see what he's all about and so i contacted <coughs> you to uh Come and sing on. Was it just one show at the Yucca Tavern? It was. It was one show at the Yucca Tavern. Absolutely. Yeah, initially, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah, we just we did that show, and so we met through that. Right. Did I yeah. Tell the right story. No, you, you you know what you did tell the right story. Um, part of that story though is is the is the fucking love affair that I had. Uh, when it was you and you wanted me to sing in your, in your damn band because uh, I was a karaoke guy. I think Shane had seen me do karaoke somewhere oh, okay. and you came out and you were like, yo, you're a karaoke singer, whatever we'd like to, we'd like to have you come sing. And this was during the time where I uh, was obsessed with the uh, What's Love Got to Do With It um, Tina Turner freaking movie. Yeah. And in that movie, there's a white dude that looks just as exactly like you did. And he's this beautiful, handsome white man that came, comes around and like gets this black woman and says, I want you to sing in my band. And I fell in love with you. That's I, absolutely. That's, that's my first impression of you. And I, and I just, from then on, like you've always been a celebrity, celebrity to me. Yeah. So awesome. that's, 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 that's <laughs> I do remember this. Yes. Yeah. That's the story that, that I, you know, I, I resonate with. So that's awesome. So we had, uh, that was definitely like one of the, I don't know, most fun experiences that I had with, uh, you know, playing my own music Yeah. and, uh, kind of like with the love show, what I was aiming to do with Mitch Freedom's Phantasmagoria was have a platform that was loosely based on some song structures, but, um, mostly just kind of like a large collective of musicians, uh, you know, kind of playing 
playing those themes freely, like, sure. you know, free jazz, uh, like Miles Davis, like 70s big bands and stuff like that. Right. And uh, so that was like one of the first experiences that I had with my own music where it was just like. Right. So you talk exactly about your own, what I was going for. Exactly. So you talk about your own music. So you're a musician. Yes. Yes. Um, what kind of musician would you say that you are? Like, is that a is that an appropriate question? I mean, I guess there's a, a many ways you could answer that. Sure. But I am a classically trained musician. Okay. Because um, you can play any fucking instrument. Well, like, not, I, I, not any. From, I, from I don't my play saxophone. I don't. Yeah. Play, <laughs> I don't play most like brass instruments or woodwinds. Sure. Um, though I love them. They're you know some of my favorite instruments. Sure. I I feel like. I stayed away from them just because I do respect them so much. Okay. And it was so natural to me playing stringed instruments and playing like aerophones, like drums, percussion, you know, shit that you sure just kind of like shape or whatever. So where does your where's your love of music come from? Where where's that stem from? Um, I feel like just my upbringing. Like Tell me my, about that. My dad and um, I mean, my dad in particular, but like, I feel like a lot of different people that were around me growing up were just really, they loved their music. Sure. It was like, not everybody was the same, obviously, but like, they loved their music. And it just like, you know, something that I saw and something that like resonated within me, like when I heard certain music as well. And it's just like that intangible like feeling when you hear music and you get the chills or yeah. goosebumps or something like that just by like hearing something played a certain way, you hear like a certain melody, you hear a certain passage. Sure. Like that feeling is was like, you know, something that happened often, I feel like. <clears throat> and uh something that I noticed maybe sure. about like when I played music, when I heard music and stuff like that. And then like, fortunately, um, my parents, uh, what we kind of grew up in a suburban area where they had a really nice, uh, instrumental music program. Sure. And, uh, so I ended up playing the cello and my brother and sister played like viola and violin. It was something that was, you know, something that we did in our family and something that was like really highly encouraged by the community in Grand Rapids as well. Grand Rapids um, is a super old city that had one of these like female led um, music societies um, that were just like, you know, groups of people usually led by women that, um, helped to organize like classical music societies sure. that put on concerts that, <clears throat> uh, you know, basically like perpetuated the culture and, um, you know, whatever you want to say about Europeans, like the fucking disease on this planet, like whatever you want to say. About <laughs> like, they're going to ruin the whole place. They started, they started the fire, I guess okay. they'd say. And, um, but anyways, like the music is obviously like, like any other art yeah. is art and it's beautiful and it's like so St. So, Cecilia Music Society in Grand Rapids, Michigan is something that's very prevalent something that the whole community really um, yeah. benefits from Yeah, like yeah. everybody, every class it wasn't like a classist thing like 
like some fine arts can be. Sure. Um, because of those societies, it was very inclusive and um, very diverse. Grand Rapids in general, the school that I went to wasn't the most diverse, but like it was all there. You yeah. Know what I mean? yeah. Like small town America. Really. That's your upbringing. Though. Yeah. That's wow. So, so your dad is played a huge influence in your love and your love for music. He was the first person I would say. So tell me, so tell me a little bit more about your dad. Like, what what was his? I mean, he was just like a, uh, I don't know, like any other kind of kid. Like growing up, he was, you know, like a hippie. You know, in the seventies, sure. late sixties, in the seventies, graduated high school sometime around like sixty eight or something like that. And so, sure. like, he was, you know, coming into like he kind of grew up in the in that era you know the late 60s early 70s in the united states sure and so he experienced all of that and what he took from it was like you know a lot of uh he loved classic rock yeah he loved like diverse music i think also uh, having grown up in grand rapids like he you know benefited from that sure culture sure. that music culture and so you know he still collect records and shit like that it wasn't like i don't I don't really remember it being like something where he taught me a lot about music. Okay. He definitely like exposed me to a lot of music. He took me to my first rock concert, for example. Wow. And, um, but like his, his music taste was, wasn't like really what was inspiring to me, I guess. It was just like his love of music and what it like love brought to his life. And then right. he, you know, was the one that kind of helped perpetuate us getting into classical music and getting into orchestra and stuff like that. Wow. And um, so, like, and then whatever, when I was like a teenager, I inherited his record collection. Sure. At the time, like that, all that shit was like what I liked and what I listened to. And so that like helped to kind of bolster that. And I started collecting more records at that point. And just like having a wonderful instrumental music program yeah. um, in my high school and in my community college that I went to and then having the music society that just kind of like helped curate, had like an amazing uh, like local music community within my high school. There sure. was like eight bands or something like that, eight like original music bands that like played house shows all over this little like suburb yeah. that I lived yeah. in. And like Grand Rapids is like a really small place as well. But uh, so like coming up as a musician in that community in my high school and Grand Rapids overall, like at a big festival of the arts every year, yeah. they, you know, it was a big deal for musicians to get to play at the festival of the arts and stuff like that. Has your has your dad ever seen your your work? Oh yeah, yeah. And would you say that he's has he ever told you that he's proud of you? Like. What's Definitely. Yeah. yeah. When I, I mean, he, they got us into classical music to begin with. And so they sure. were, he was there at like all of my concerts, all of my orchestra concerts. Sure. And then like, Has he seen Pal? Uh, no. No. So he was there, uh, you know, when I got into like playing rock and like everything outside of the classical realm, like, the, you know, just, uh, you know, rock and roll and whatever sure to, to be cliche there was there was a lot more than rock and roll but like when i started to play like original music with people in a band sure. he was there always to support us he came hung out at the bars like i was playing in bars when i was 16 years old sure you know sure. and original like 
I think it, at the time it was like grunge music, you know, like fucking Nirvana and sure. Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, all that shit was like the rage. <laughs> so, and then rage was the rage too. So tell me a little bit about Powell, man. So you're you're in Phoenix Afrobeat Orchestra. Mm-hmm. What is it like to be in Powell? Um, it's it's ultimately rewarding and and ultimately it's like ultimate reward and ultimate sacrifice. Tell like me about it. all at once because you're in a group of fifteen people, or sixteen, well, fifteen, yeah, including myself, sixteen. You're in a group of like fifteen other people with fifteen other people that all are at least somewhat um like in tune with music and creating yeah. music and yeah. you know they have an idea and like an, an a, a investment into what this band is musically aesthetically like everything like ethos like why are we doing it like what how are we gonna help people with it blah 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 blah, blah. everybody has ideas like these are all people that for the most part were handpicked by Dave Marquez. Right. And um and so they all had great projects in Phoenix, like in their own right. And sure. then we came to this and so it would you know now I'm kind of one of, you know, many people who have the same mind. And so like You're one of the main people too though, right? Like you're well, like a, that's what I'm saying though. It's yeah. like I mean, I guess I you can call me i guess by saying main people like i help to book the band like, yeah i help with you know different aspects of the band yes more so than give some a bigger stake do. into in, in, in it yeah you know yeah, yeah definitely okay. we've had some personnel changes like over the years and stuff yeah. like that so i am like i'm not i am actually like one of the original original members like dave and i played together with like some members of what laura says like greg you know he djs with me sure in that group and so he played with Pow the very first like handful of rehearsals wow and then uh some other percussionists but like I was playing guitar and some other people from what Laura says were there like and we were playing with Dave for the first time the first like handful of kind of times that this project got together sure and uh then I think we just got busy it was really difficult to find people that were into the music enough to transcribe horns you know, horn parts and like really like delve into the music the way sure. that it needed to be dissected and like studied, you know, and um but especially with the horns, because that's like Afrobeat music is like you know, high life is based on a lot of guitar. Afrobeat's based on the horns. Right? <laughs> right. right. Totally. And so it just like wasn't happening without any horn players. And sure. so like Greg and I just like took off and we uh I mean, like, physically, we took off on tour. And so, like, we weren't playing with Dave regularly anymore. Sure. During that time, he got other people to come in and just, like, he continued to grow the project without us. Sure. And But it was initially, like, his idea, like, putting it out there, like, putting the call out for musicians, like, hey, who in Phoenix likes to play Afrobeat music? Like, what's up? You know, Fela Kuti? And, like, that was, he was the progenitor of the whole thing. Okay, man. That's amazing. That's uh, that's some history that I didn't know about how yeah that's super cool man um, <laughs> so you've you've been you've been some you've been a musician that has traveled with a with other band members and you've done the whole yeah traveling band scene right yeah so what is it like 
like, I remember, I remember one time we had a conversation and we talked about companionship and about um, the art of making love through music. Mm. So you had some really good insights about that. I don't know if you remember that conversation or not. Sounds like something I was talking it about. It definitely was something you <laughs> talked about. And it was, it was something that's kind of, you know, just stick, stayed with me for a long time. Yeah. Because, again, this was back when I was falling in love with you. And I was, <laughs> and you were like, yeah, I've made love with, with men before. And it's through music that you've made love with men. Sure. Um, does that kind of make sense? Like, mm -hmm. can you elaborate more on that? Um, I mean, that's, we need more smoke. Okay. <laughs> There's a smoke machine that. Let's do it. Let's get it. I've been loving this. It's it's a wonderful thing. It's like the best way to go. I oddly like the smell of it too. Oh no, I love it. 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 It's like the most burnt cinnamon <laughs> smell ever. <laughs> I remember that reminds me of uh, a gig that we did at Casablanca Lounge. I don't know if you remember that place on 18th Ave. No. Um, it was just like this little hole in the wall, and uh, we used to, uh, a friend of mine used to book What Laura Says, um, which is that group that I would also played with yeah. in Phoenix. And uh, the very first time that we played there, we were hosting this touring band, and like it's, like a really big wide open room but then the stage is kind of inset so there's like you know it's inset into the wall so it's kind of like a kept space or whatever sure and uh during that show during our set like somebody on the side of the stage one of the guys that was helping to run the show was running this the smoke machine okay I, this was like his one and only job okay and he would like Every, I don't know, 15 minutes, he'd just like, <laughs> like, for like a good 30 seconds. As you should. As you should. And each dive, like, it would fill the stage up because it was like this kept space. Uh, it would fill the stage up with smoke to the point where, like, way, th <laughs> way thicker than this. Right. Like, to where we couldn't even hardly see couldn't each see other. And it would... Like smell it's like burnt amazing. cinnamon, <coughs> and then like the cloud would just slowly move <laughs> off the stage and like out into the audience and like dissipate. Yeah. And then fifteen minutes later, it happened again. <laughs> it was insane. We missed so many cues, and that's fantastic. That's fantastic. But anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, like. Just playing music together and like now, I don't know, like I hate to say more so, but like maybe equally like the business part, being business partners with the people that you're playing music. Yeah. Nobody can just fucking do it just to do it anymore. Right. right. Like, right. It has to like lead to something. Right. You well, know? like where, where is this going to go? If I'm going <laughs> to invest my time into this, like. Everybody's time is very precious to them. Like people have figured it out. They're like, oh, yeah. I don't have to waste my time. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, if this is not going to benefit me, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the old now. fashioned, I think. 
Well, I, you are old fashioned, which is fantastic. One of those Exennials, I think born in the 70s. Like, Were you born in the 70s? 79, baby. Damn, dude. You're old. I know. I'm fucking old. You're I'm not be, old. I'm going to be 40 years old this year. That's amazing. What then? And you should be 40 years old. I think about my 40s. Like, I've had vivid dreams about it. Like, yeah. Tell me about in it. In the past, like, couple of, well, maybe like three months. Like, as soon as it kind of became apparent that, I mean, like, that Asher was going to be graduating high school and kind of like moving into that next phase of his life. And it wasn't like, it was like a shock because he is so young and okay. his like attitude and his like personality and like, sure. He's like a, 16 year old right now and who is asher asher is my son okay and how old is asher he's 18 18 years old yeah he's gonna be 19 this year so what's it like having a 19 year old like what's what is that like i feel like for me it's been amazing yeah yeah i mean like his my co-parent has definitely not made it the easiest situation like i've you know i don't know i feel like i've uh developed a lot of like trauma and like issues through that situation as you can imagine it's like having to take care of another life and then having to like depend on one another to do that you know yeah agreeing to bring this life into this world now that you have like what are you gonna do right do you know what i mean right right developed you know us having a marriage for like five years, just kind of like, um, no, I'm sorry. We were together for five years before we got married. But How long like, you guys married? We were married for uh, two years. So what would you say? So it, so I'm, I'm safe in saying that it didn't survive. Yeah. Correct. So what would you say was like the downfalls of that? Well, it's just, um, I don't know, kind of like what I was describing is like, we kind of made a commitment to, you know, bring this life into this world and like raise it together. And we're both that age to where we like still kind of, and our families are like traditional enough to where we still like kind of feel that commitment. Yeah. And we make that commitment to like one another, you know, for her, it was like a highly religious thing. For me, it was just like, like, I don't know, like a common sense, like life instinct kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, you know, to each his or her own, I guess. Sure. But for me, it's like, okay, like, you know, you make a commitment to somebody. It's very important. Obviously, this uh, this child is dependent on you guys and, like, how well you're able to, like, provide for it. Were you in love with your, with your, with your son's mother? Yeah, definitely. Are you still, are you still in love with her? Um, no. No. Definitely not. No. She definitely caused me a lot of problems. What's it like falling out of love with somebody? Um, I don't know. I feel like for me, it's probably different than a lot of people. Tell me. Because I, um, I don't know. I'm open-minded and I'm patient, and I understand that. I understand that there's different kinds of love, and like I'm ultimately forgiving. Okay. Both of other people and myself. <laughs> and I mean, 
more so like other people like i feel like i still struggle a lot with things that i've done and like decisions i've made and whatever whatever but okay. i do like you know make it a point after a certain point after a certain time in life and i'm like this is just like causing me extreme like trauma sure i just need to like you know work on forgiving myself and so that's been happening a lot like since since her her and i were divorced and all that stuff like there was a long road after that that i feel like i'm coming back from but i'm like oh. you know you're starting to forgive yourself yeah well yeah. i i've been definitely like working on it for a long time but like you know that being said it's like with other people i feel i feel ultimately forgiving you know because at the end of the day like the golden rule is number one right it's like that's all i would want from somebody is to like be forgiven and given that opportunity to like be better you know what i mean and that ladies and gentlemen is a love show I want to thank you so much for being on the show, Mitch Freedom, a.k.a. David uh, Maroney. Uh, I am a special K, and uh, that's how we do a love show. That's perfect. You're perfect. <laughs>